aroma of home-baked cookies invading his nostrils, these stories gave Jack a whiff of joy, making him hungry for the full reality of its source. In later life, Lewis would credit the author of those stories, 19th-century minister George MacDonald, with having influenced virtually every word he ever wrote, including Narnia. It began with Fantasties, a dreamlike tale in which a boy wishes to visit fairy country. He awakes the next morning in an enchanted wood, where he encounters profound happiness mixed with perilous adventure, including death and rebirth of sorts. At first, Lewis didn't recognize the story, or the desire it stirred in him to be a Christian. Only later, after having found the aroma's source, did Lewis realize what had occurred. Lewis said he crossed a great frontier while reading Fantasties that placed him on a quest for joy. This pursuit eventually found its source in the same god of Christianity he had abandoned in childhood. And so, thanks to the imagination of George MacDonald, C.S. Lewis found his way home, and was met by a plate of warm cookies. I had a similar experience while sitting in a London recording studio. As executive producer for a radio dramatization of the Chronicles of Narnia, I was privileged to work with an extremely talented group of writers, producers, and actors as they brought these seven wonderful stories to life. With my eyes closed, I listened to voices from behind the glass as the theater of my mind entered into the drama. Each encounter with the great lion Aslan brought a shiver down my spine and a lump to my throat. It was like encountering something, no, someone, more frightening, yet more comforting than I had ever met before. I found myself moved in ways decades of church attendance and religious instruction had never accomplished. I was catching a whiff of something much more joyous than I knew. Months later, my nine-year-old son got his own shivers. Our entire family was driving in the car, listening to the final production of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Not a word was spoken as we endured the dreadful scene of Aslan's death on the stone table. A deep sadness rested upon Sean as he absorbed the injustice and loss. But then, moments later, he was overwhelmed with celebration as he discovered that Aslan was alive again. The gloom of death overtaken by the delight of resurrection, Sean could not contain his excitement. That's just like Jesus, he screamed from the back seat. Like most kids raised in Sunday school, Sean had heard the story of Jesus' death and resurrection literally dozens of times. It had become routine, expected, perhaps even boring. But through a fantasy tale that had none of what Lewis called stained glass and Sunday school associations, Sean was caught off guard, surprised by the most wonderful and potent truth of Christian faith. The effect on his heart, like my own sitting in that studio, was a whiff of true delight. We entered into the experience of the gospel, rather than merely exploring its tenets. And along the way, we crossed a great frontier that awakened a new, more vibrant faith. Another World What George MacDonald did for the faith and imagination of C.S. Lewis, Lewis has done for millions who enjoy his fantasy tales. With combined sales of more than 65 million copies, and as the inspiration behind the recent feature film, the seven Chronicles of Narnia books are more popular than ever, and with good reason. With the possible exception of J.R.R. Tolkien, no 20th century writer more masterfully married the enchantment of fantasy with the enrichment of faith. The Narnia stories are like a meal with the nourishment of meat and vegetables, but the taste of cake and candy. 
Both the dreams of fairyland and the promise of heaven invade the imagination at the same time, baptizing it with wonderful and unexpected effects. The problem, of course, is that we rarely associate pleasure with nourishment. The Narnia tales are such good children's stories, we resist the notion that they allegorize the gospel story. Lewis himself debunked the idea that his tales are mere Christian allegory, explaining that the Christian truths pushed their way into the story on their own. His theology was part of him, so it became part of what he created, like air bubbling to the water's surface. Some people seem to think that I began by asking myself how I could say something about Christianity to children, then fixed on the fairy tale as an instrument, then collected information about child psychology and decided what age group I'd write for, then drew up a list of basic Christian truths and hammered out allegories to embody them. This is all pure moonshine. I couldn't write in that way at all. Everything began with...